Welcome in everybody to Betting Pros. It's me, Joey P. Joe P. Zapia. Guess what? It's time to place your bets. And of course, with me to help me do it, my brothers. And as Chris Farley always said, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers got a hug and then talk about how to make some wagers on Sunday division round football. And we've got two great games, two great analysts, Matthew Friedman joining us. And of course, Pat Fitzmorris, as always. What fun we have on Sunday. We've got an old school NFC 1990s rivalry that is hot again, and I'm super excited about it. All the feels from my childhood have returned, and we've got the new look AFC juggernaut teams going against each other also. So it is going to be a wild ride. I cannot wait for these games. Sunday, everything stops at 3 p.m. Eastern. I can tell you that. And we're going to break them down for you, tell you what to expect in these games with the totals, with the spreads, and maybe some money to be made on some outright winners. But before we do, just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe to the Betting Pros YouTube channel and comment below on this video. Tell us who you think is going to win, because when you do, you could win a free upgrade to the Betting Pros Premium. That's right. Whether you're looking for access to exclusive picks, top-rated player props, or custom analysis from your betting performance, Betting Pros Premium has the tools to help you cash more bets. That's it. Plain and simple. Don't you want to cash more bets? I do. So don't wait for a giveaway. Sign up today at bettingpros.com upgrade and start betting smarter, not harder. Or if you want to play your uh, spin the wheel a little bit, then you can go ahead and make a comment and see if you get picked. But either way, subscribe to Betting Pros YouTube channel because we got March Madness coverage coming. So many fun things going on. Baseball season opening. I can't wait to start making my baseball wager. So, gentlemen, let's kick things off here at the top. AFC showdown. These two teams met for a brief period of time. Obviously, it's 20 days after the DeMar Hamlin incident where he went into cardiac arrest on the field. Thank goodness he is doing so much better now. And we've got the first ever real legitimate meeting, once again, take two of Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, two elite quarterbacks in the league. Both teams ranked at the top eight in the NFL in points per game, offensive yards per game, passing yards per game. If this one underperforms, I'm going to be sad, just straight up sad. Uh, now, the stats didn't count last time, but just to throw this out, Burrow had a perfect QB rating, 158.3, four for four, 52 yards in the touchdown. Uh, the Bengals also lost their left tackle in the last game, Jonah, Jonah Williams, so that's going to be a loss there. They had some injuries too with Collins and Kappa. Uh, both are week to week. We're hoping they play. We shall see. The Bengals are 0-3 this year when Burrow gets sacked five or more times. But don't forget, we talked about last week, the Buffalo Bills. We mentioned how they don't really go after the quarterback all that much. And Burrow's never lost in the month of January. He is a perfect 6-0. So I have set the stage. Matthew Friedman, here are the numbers. Five-point spread is what we're working with. Cincinnati is the underdog going into Buffalo. This number has moved from six. 48 and a half is the over under plus 190. If you like the Bengals on the money line, and I already do, and I already bet them. Spoiler alert. So, Friedman, let's talk about these numbers. What do you see here? Where are you headed for this AFC showdown? So, I don't see anything really on the total. Uh, and I'll just say, kind of blanket statement for this week, I am very close on all of the uh, the totals that are in the market. So, I I don't know if I'm going to be betting any totals this week. The spread, however, does have my attention. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I got to say, I am the moron who bet this way too early. Um, <laughs> there was so there was a book that opened this uh, around six, six and a half. It immediately got bet down to three mm -hmm. and a half. Um, I bet it at three and a half, and then it has steadily moved from the three and a half to five, five and a half, where we see it in the market now. Am I thinking in betting that three and a half early on uh, on Sunday night? Um, was that 
okay, if this moves towards the seven, there's not much of a difference from three and a half to even five and a half where we see this number now, just in terms of where games tend to land. But if this moves down and hits three, there is a massive difference between three and a half and three. And at the time, I had this projected at 2.75. And so I thought, all right, I have it projected under the key number of three. I'm going to bet it now. And if it moves, that's fine. The reason why this was idiotic was you know, for two reasons, really. One, I should have known that the market was going to move away from the Bengals and towards the Bills based on the offensive line injuries of the Bengals. And like that is what people are going to talk about the most this week, the offensive line injuries for the Bengals. So that's first. I should have anticipated that people would be focusing on that and would be moving in that direction towards the Bills. And then the second thing is I should have moved my projections more aggressively based on those injuries. But the thing is, even now accounting for some of those injuries, and let's assume that the Bills are not the Bills, the Bengals are going to be without three of their starters. Right tackle, L. Collins, he's definitely out. He's on IR. Right. You have right guard, Alex Kappa, who will likely be out, but maybe, not for sure, maybe return, probably out. Didn't practice on Wednesday, didn't play last week with the ankle injury. And then you have the fresh injury to left tackle Jonah Williams. Uh, people are reporting that it was a dislocated kneecap. So if that's the case, highly unlikely that he's playing mm -hmm. this week. So let's assume that all three of those guys are out. And then building on top of that, the idea of cascading injury impact, right? With uh, the, the compounding effect of this cluster injury on the offensive line. So that if you have one guy who's out, it's not that big of a deal. If the guy who plays next to him is also out, it's the situation of one plus one equals 2.5 or three, right? So with three offensive linemen out, there is a, an impact that we would expect that is greater than just if three other random players on the offense happen to be out. That said, even with all of that accounted for, I imagine I will continue to adjust my projection the closer we get to having total confirmation that all three of these guys are out. But I'm not going to adjust it all that much more. It's not as if these three offensive linemen are out and I'm discounting three points from the Bengals, right? We're still talking about offensive linemen. It's not as if these guys are the quarterback. They still have their starting center. Center is just as important as mm -hmm. left tackle when you're thinking about the continuity of the offensive line. I can't discount, discount the Bengals all that much more from where I've already discounted them. And I have this projected at three and a half. So let's assume that this number stays at five, five and a half. Maybe it gets to six. It might meet some resistance there. I still see value in the Bengals and I'm probably too high on the Bengals. I will say in my power ratings, I have them just, just below the bills. And, you know, I have this, this trio at the top of the three AFC teams and then a little bit of a tier, but I think that the Bengals are in that tier now with the bills and with the Kansas city, they're the number three team, but I think they belong in that tier based on what we've seen them do. And Joe Burrow on the road, Joe Burrow as an underdog, like give me three and a half points. If it's mm -hmm. three, I'm not betting it, but if it's more than a field goal, I feel pretty confident that Burrow has some magic in him. So mm -hmm. three and a half is where I have this projected. We, we see the five, five and a half in the market. Even if I move this to four and a half, I will still be pretty desirous to be on the Bengals <laughs> in this spot. So this is, this is where I am. Josh Allen, 
he's he's the second best quarterback in the league. I I do think that, but we can't state that as objective fact. But I feel fine saying he's the second best quarterback in the league. But there's not much of a difference between him and Joe Burrow as you know the number two and number three guy. People thought well, that-, that Josh Allen was maybe the best quarterback entering the year. But he still has a little bit of that gunslinger to him where he makes Mm -hmm. too many mistakes, is a little too carefree with the football, and against a pretty good defense, that could come back to bite him. I think you should listen to your heart. You should listen to what it's telling you. It's Listen, it's going, but Bengals, but Bengals. See, come with me, Friedman. Two to one on the money line. This is how you make money on this game. Forget the three. You ice water in the veins, Joe Burrow. Big game, Joe B., Look, I understand the offensive line issues are there. Now, if this was a team on the Buffalo side that was prolific at getting to the quarterback, I can understand. But they blitz less than any team in the league. (laughs) So why are we so worried necessarily about some of these injuries to the extent that we should shade the Bengals too far too much? I think that's a problem potentially. Fitz, how do you see this working out here? Because uh, certainly worrisome offensive line injuries absolutely are something to pay big time attention to. But let's also pay attention to what the Buffalo Bills did, or should I say did not do, against the Miami Dolphins last week. That was a beat-up, worn-out, third-string quarterback team, and that game went to the final two minutes of the game. That is ridiculous. The Buffalo Bills have let a lot of teams hang around. You can't do that with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and some of the weapons that they have. This is not the Miami Dolphins quarterback situation. This is Joe B. What are your thoughts, Fitz? Yeah, that was some uh, sloppy finishing by the Bills last week. I, I kind of maybe think that might serve as a wake-up call to them to uh, be a little more diligent about stepping on the throat and not doing the Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs thing where they like to play with their prey uh, before finally putting it away. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I want to be with you guys and were it not for these offensive line injuries I think I would be there and liking the Bengals in this one and um earlier in the year when uh well it was only a few weeks ago I think when it was was at Kansas City at uh the Bengals and like the Bengals were a home dog and I said they shouldn't be a home dog to anyone and I like the Bengals in that game against Buffalo um, but now with these offensive line injuries, I am concerned and I'm, I am confident Friedman that Alex Kappa is not going to play. I saw a replay of that injury, Like he took a, a, and I'm frankly, I'm surprised it's listed as an ankle injury rather than a knee injury. Cause he took mm-hmm. a pretty devastating side impact to his lower leg. And like, I can't imagine him suiting up this Sunday. So, you know, and it's too bad because just when the Bengals had consolidated all of this new offensive line talent, like they got all these new offensive linemen, they thought it was going to be a great upgrade. And early in the season, their offensive line was terrible, uh, largely because I think these guys hadn't played together before. And then, you know, they finally got it going and it seemed like their offense could just do no wrong. Well, last week after those guys left, I mean, we saw a different Bengals offense. We saw Joe Burrow average 6.5 yards per attempt. Uh, Jamar Chase had nine catches for, let's see, 84 yards and a touchdown. Most of his targets were within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Like their their downfield passing game just sort of disappeared. And I think that was out of necessity because they just couldn't keep the Ravens pass rush at bay with all these backup offensive linemen. And I know the Buffalo pass rush is not one of the more fierce pass rushes in the league. I think they were 14th in pressure rate on the year. Von Miller's hurt. He's done for the season. Um, but I think this is still going to be a major problem for the Bengals. And I I think it could mean as many as three points. Like sacks are, 
sacks are drive wreckers. Like you take mm-hmm. a sack, the sure. chances are you're not going to get points on that drive. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm a little worried that this turns into a repeat of what we saw last year in the divisional round where Burrow took nine sacks against the Titans and they somehow survived. They won 1916 because <laughs> their defense played great and they were able to score just enough to put the Titans away. And then like Burrow got sacked seven more times in the Super Bowl, and mm-hmm. they almost pulled it out. So mm-hmm. I'm worried about this. Like Buffalo has scored more than 30 points in four consecutive games. And one of those games was against the Bears, whose defense is terrible. But two of them were against the Dolphins, and one was against the Patriots. The Patriots are third in defensive DVOA. The Dolphins are 15th. So not pushovers. This Bills offense is clicking. And, uh, yeah, like other than not being able to put away the Dolphins late last week, uh, for the most part, I mean, this Bills offense has been just terrific lately. So I don't think the Bengals can keep up with them, and I'm kind of willing to lay the points here. Sorry, guys. Uh, oh, don't be sorry. No need for apologies here. I like different points of view. Uh, you're just wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love you, Fitz. I love. Uh, I Like I said, I, I think that um, you know it's certainly worth acknowledging. Again, when Burrow was sacked, uh, was it five or more times in a game? They're 0-3 this year. But you did mention tons of sacks he took last year on that journey to the Super Bowl. Still found ways to make that a W now one of the guys who's you know going to be one of the backup offensive linemen here uh Jackson Carmen this was a player who was you know often on starter in his rookie year uh a player that played it you know tackle at Clemson like you know this was a guy you know it's, it's not like some guy off the street kind of situation so some of the depth there might be better than we realize also I keep coming back to the Buffalo though and I keep watching them just let other teams hang around I keep wondering why this defense keeps having these moments and frankly some of that gunslinger mentality that Freeman spoke about too with Josh Allen, sometimes it does get him into trouble in these games. It got him in trouble a couple of years ago when he was uh, against the Indianapolis Colts. We all remember that, right? When all of a sudden fast and loose Josh Allen came back and it almost cost them the game. Sometimes I'm concerned when that version of Josh Allen shows up, bad things do happen. So just to recap for everybody, I'm on the money line. Give me the two to one. That's how you make money on this game with the Bengals and you have yourself a time. Freeman, what is your one approach to this game? If you're going to make a bet on it, what is it? Yeah, I'm going to be taking the spread. Uh, I I do think that the Bills should be favored in this spot, but Mm -hmm. uh, I think Joe Burrow covers, you know, as he so often does. And I I will just, you know, Fitz made some great points there. Uh, A couple of rebuttal points. Uh, No Von Miller for the Bills. I think that uh, gives them just a little less teeth going against an injured offensive line. Uh, and, uh, you know, the Bengals have a week to at least plan. It's different than losing a guy in the middle of the game. Right. And Joe Burrow has gotten better at getting rid of the ball faster. That has brought down his average depth of target, but at least he's getting rid of the ball faster and not taking as many sacks. So, uh, and I will say, you know, Josh Allen going, Josh Allen going against those defenses that you mentioned, I think that's a little bit different than going against the Bengals, who have proven to be not an elite defense, but one of the defenses that can kind of game plan around the quarterbacks mm-hmm. that they are facing. And so I think with the style of defense they play, they will be able to mitigate some of the explosiveness that we normally see out of Josh Allen, both throwing deep and taking off with uh, with runs. They play with a lot of passion too, especially like last year, that Kansas City game too. Like this is a defense that even if you beat them, they don't, fold up the tents and die, which I like about them. And they get beat sometimes, but they do not disappear. So Fitz, what is your best approach to this game before we move on to the next one? 
All right. So I grabbed this one earlier in the week, Joe, when it was at four points. Like Friedman, I, I got wrote? it. You, you were on yeah. the right side of that line <laughs> yeah, movement. I mean, you know, and I was I was happy to get it at low ebb. Um, so now, I mean, I've seen it like when I was looking at DraftKings today. What what are the lines that you guys are seeing? Um, we have on right our, now uh, the consensus uh, line that we had was it moved to. Is it up to uh, five and a half and most five and a half? Yeah, it is. OK, yeah. Uh, this That's morning, I was now you can get in different spots, different places sure. there on bettingpost.com. Sure. Like even at the places where it's still five, I think it's juiced towards uh, the, the bills. So, um, you know, at, at five and a half, I mean, it's almost close to a layoff for me. Like that's getting to be I, I think five and a half is probably where it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I, I am not really interested in betting the Bengals at all. And, uh, you know, I, I would take the bills, but I, I wish I'd like to get it at under five and a half, five one and a half more, it squeezes the value out of it. One I think. more thing I'll, I will say, if you haven't bet this yet and you are on the Bengals, I don't see the, the rush to bet it. Now I would set an alert in the betting pros app for, Bingo, for Cincinnati it. plus six. And one, it, once it hits six, check to see the news. You know, like, do we have verification that these offensive linemen are out? I think that's already baked into the market, but just check the news to see if there's anything else that's popped up on the injury report that could be driving the move. But I Mm -hmm. think there's a chance that this test six. And if it does, bet the six after you've checked the news. If it never gets to six, bet the five and a half on Sunday. There you go. Good advice. Use the app too. My goodness, it's so convenient. All right, let's get to the NFC wildcard game in the evening on the East Coast. Afternoon on the West, uh, last time the Cowboys literally uh, ran out of time when these two teams faced off last time. I'll try not to dwell on that too much for the sake of Friedman there. Dak Prescott did not get a playoff in time. Bad things did happen. You'll get you shrugging and off. He's like, whatever. Same old Cowboys. Doesn't matter. I'm, I'm used to it by now. I love it. He is, he is immune at this point. Since week seven, these two teams have been the two highest scoring in the NFL, and that's mainly due to the fact that both teams had something uh, big happen uh, that week. Um, the 49ers trade for Christian McCaffrey and Dak Prescott returned. So obviously your offenses get better when you start to add those kind of players in there. Uh, certainly an interesting coaching matchup too. Kyle Shanahan's offense going up uh, against Dan Quinn's defense. These two guys work together on the same staff back in the old days, the Atlanta days when they were giving up Super Bowls to the Patriots, ah, a simpler time. I miss those days. And, uh, I'm sure everyone remembers that epic collapse. It was a good time there. Uh, also since Brock Purdy took over the starting job, the 49ers haven't really been tested because they haven't really faced a lot of elite teams. Now Purdy's looked very good. Don't want to take anything away from him. He has stepped up especially in the second half of that game last week against the Seahawks, but the combined record of all the teams he's faced 35 and 49 and one. And, uh, then you add in also the wild card of the Cowboys kicker situation, which could make this game incredibly fun. Yes, they did sign somebody else. Yes, Mayer is still theoretically the kicker. Uh, again, that's Brett Mayer, not our own Mike Mayer. Although I heard Mike Mayer was stretching out trying to look for a tryout just to clear his name on the internet. However, here we are. This is the game. This is where we're at. Now, this one was three and a half just yesterday. It's moved to four. 46 and a half was the number. That number has moved to 46. Dallas on the money line right now is plus 165. So basically the same where it was. Fitz, let's start first with you on this one. What is your take going into this NFC matchup? 
Well, Joe, let me drill down a little bit more on your point about Brock Purdy not having faced great competition so far. This will be the first time in the six starts Purdy has made for the 49ers. And really, it's been more like seven since Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt early in that uh, win over the Dolphins in week 13. This is the first time that Purdy will have faced a defense in the top 12 of Football Mm. Outsiders DVOA metric. So everyone else has been outside the top 12. uh, And the only two opponents he's faced that have been in the top half of the league were Washington and, uh, oh, sorry, bad, at Tampa Bay. And uh, in those two games, Purdy had 21 passing attempts against Tampa Bay, 22 against Washington. So he was basically able to manage, game manage his way through those games uh, in two contests where the 49ers had a lot of success running the ball. So this is going to be a different challenge for him. And yes, I know Friedman is going to make the point that the the Cowboys lost Anthony Brown and, uh, you know, their secondary is not as strong without him, but still they don't have any real glaring weak links in that secondary, except maybe when they bring in uh, old man Xavier Rhodes in the dime package. <laughs> but like, is Brock Purdy the kind of quarterback who can pick on a weak link in a defense? Like th- that's the kind of thing that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are great at. And maybe not coincidentally two teams that the Cowboys have lost to this year. Um, but like, those dudes are just great at finding the weak link in coverage, repeatedly, repeatedly exploiting it. I don't know if Brock Purdy is that kind of a quarterback. So he might have to do more than game manage his way through this one. And like, I think there's a massive, massive advantage for the Cowboys here at quarterback. And by the way, Dallas is ranked ahead of San Francisco in the Massey Peabody power rankings uh, by like one point on a neutral field. So I feel pretty good about laying the points or uh, taking the points here with Dallas. And I'm probably going to put a little something on the money line too. I don't really see any value in the total. I think that's pretty much spot on. I'm kind of where you are fit. So I, I am staying away from the total. I think it's very close. I'm personally haven't bet this yet. Uh, my heart keeps telling me the Cowboys are good for an upset here. Let's go with the Cowboys. But I keep coming back and hearing that voice in my head where Matthew Friedman kept talking to me earlier about well you know short week less time to prepare a lot to travel all the road games all this stuff i can't shake that so friedman let's start there because that's been kind of your narrative building with the giants on last show and maybe that's kind of the narrative you're building here with the cowboys so how do you see this contest yeah i mean i don't know if i need to say it you you just said it joe uh well i appreciate everyone's time today thanks for listening to the show and betting pros you could always okay go ahead yeah, it's so I will say the total is interesting, and I will get to that in a bit. But uh, yeah, Dallas just situationally, like it's it's known, right? They they're already complaining about the short week, so they have the short week. Uh, you know, six days going against San Francisco, which has eight days. Uh, Dallas is traveling across the country, both from Tampa Bay to Dallas, and then Dallas to the West Coast. So that is, you know, another situational deficiency that they have going for them. And then, yeah, this will be out of the past six games, this will be their fifth on the road. And, you know, that has a, not a major, but uh, a not insignificant cumulative impact. And when we're talking about, you know, a number that is near near three, you know, between three and seven, stuff like that adds up. And so I have this projected at 4.25. 
And so I'm not all that far off of market. And I got to say, like Fitz, to your point about uh, where Rufus Peabody has the Cowboys relative to the 49ers in the Massey Peabody rankings, like I think that I, I understand why he has the 49ers kind of quote unquote so low. But if there is something that like Rufus is slow on, it is on adjusting the priors to backup quarterbacks. And I don't want to get too high on Brock Purdy because Joe, you mentioned it perfectly. Like, yeah, he's, he's played, we wouldn't say like nobody, but he has not been challenged in the way that presumably he will be challenged with this Cowboys defense. Oh, hundred um, percent. And a defense that has speed, a defense that gets to the quarterback and a defense that covers too. Yeah. You have guys like Trayvon Diggs, you know, one of the better corner covers when you have somebody like Micah Parsons who can actually run with Christian McCaffrey. It's not a lot of running. It's not a lot of, linebackers in the league that can catch Christian McCaffrey in a foot race. Uh, Micah Parsons might be faster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think, okay. With the 49ers. sideline the sideline guy, man. He really is. He's special talent. Parsons. When Parsons, he's right, when he's Parsons is not going to be covering McCaffrey, at least not all that much. It's probably going to be more Leighton Van Der Esch, who he's fine, but I don't think he can stick with McCaffrey, but almost no one can stick with McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, if the Cowboys are putting Parsons on McCaffrey, uh, that is not good for the Cowboys. They need him rushing the passer. <laughs> but enough. the 49ers with Purdy as the primary quarterback have scored over 30 points in every game but one. Uh, you know, for the season, the regular season, he had 8.6 adjusted yards per attempt. Last week, 13.1 adjusted yards per attempt. Uh, you know, sometimes he can be a little bit careless with the ball, but he's still been, you know, in the intermediate and deep parts of the field. He's been better this year than Jimmy Garoppolo was. And I think if we kind of adjust, like mentally, if Garoppolo were in this game, I, I think this would be a number where everyone would say, okay, you got to bet the 49ers in this spot. Or at least like we wouldn't have like the automatic got to bet the Cowboys in this spot that, that people kind of have here. And the drop off from Garoppolo to Purdy, I mean, I have a lot of respect for what Garoppolo was able to do within the confines of this offense mm-hmm. for half a decade, but it has not been a significant drop off. Like out of all of the quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs, Purdy has been the most effective in that intermediate part of the field, uh, just in terms of completion percentage over expectation. And like that is where the Shanahan offense lives, you know, in that intermediate mm-hmm. part of the field from like five to 15 yards. Like that is in part why Garoppolo was good enough within that offense, because he could be pretty efficient in that part of the field. And like Purdy, I just don't think it's going to be all that big of a drop off. And, you know, Fitz mentioned it. Anthony Brown is out and Jordan Lewis is out. Both of those guys are on IR. So the Cowboys are without two starting cornerbacks and they have a very good offensive line. If they are able to minimize Micah Parsons getting to the quarterback and like Parsons, He's still dealing with injuries. Like he is not the explosive player now that he was in the first half of the season. So if the 49ers can just give Purdy enough space and if they can uh, exploit two backup cornerbacks, I feel like they have a pretty decent chance of winning this game. But that does kind of put me on the over a little bit. Like both of these offenses can score points. I talked about what what the offense has done with Purdy at quarterback since week nine, uh, you know, the bye week for the Cowboys. The Cowboys have scored, you know, 
a lot. They've been one of the best scoring points in the league, you know, consistently like anywhere from 28 to 40 points. And so I look at these two offenses and I think, all right, I can see how the over hits. And this is the one, this is the one total where I'm a little bit off from the consensus right now. 46 is the number that you see in the market. I have it projected at 47.2. So like I'm a little bit high on this game, but again, these are two elite defenses. They're number one and number two uh, in defensive EPA. So uh, I don't think I want to go rushing to bet the over, especially when this has been an under season, right? In the regular season, the under was 151, 119, and one. So given the just the environment this year towards the under, and given that these are the two best defenses or two of the best defenses in the league, I probably don't want to go over either. So I'm just looking at this game, probably going to stay away. Like that's just where I am at this point, probably staying away. Okay. I want to play devil's advocate for a moment, if I may, with something you said about Brock Purdy. You're right to a certain extent that there's no doubt that Jimmy Garoppolo's injury, the pass off onto Brock Purdy, Purdy's done a good job. He has managed the offense. There hasn't been an enormous drop off. We can talk about, as Fitz and I were pointing out, the level of competition maybe also playing a big role in that how do you think he reacts to the cowboys league high 25.6 quarterback pressure rate that is the highest rate in the nfl of getting to the quarterback pressuring a young quarterback that has me concerned about brock purdy what do you say to that i mean purdy is he's raw but what we saw last week was that he actually did a decent job navigating the pocket a little bit to create some extra time and if Shanahan, it, it's more on Shanahan than on Purdy, but if Shanahan can create the scheme to get the ball out quickly, and if Purdy can do just a little bit of what we saw him do last week, then I think he can survive. It will be it will be tight, um, but I think he can survive it. All right, Fitz, what are your thoughts on not only Brock Purdy under pressure literally and figuratively, but also a Cowboys team that, I don't know what I mean. It seemed like everything kind of went their way. This was the best version of the Cowboys. I think we've seen together as a unit all year outside, of course, the kicking uh, in Tampa Bay. But maybe that's also something to pay attention to. Also, if you're in a close game and you can't rely, you're missing extra points. You're not confident making field goals. That changes the dynamic of a game in a big way. How do all those kind of X factors enter into your consciousness in this one? Yeah, um, I mean, maybe we should. Uh, be talking more about the kicker thing because that is not insignificant and it's really not. I don't think Maher was seen as any sort of liability uh, until this but maybe you know I play golf Joe like I know what it's like to have the yips uh, and Maher definitely has the yips now so that could be a problem in a close game it's interesting what you said about the the Cowboys pressure rates and like they are fantastic, especially now that Van Der Esch is back. Now that they can mm -hmm. just let Mike Parsons pin his ears back and go after the quarterback. We saw them put a lot of heat on Tom Brady last week, even though Brady is like one of the quickest uh, to get rid of the ball of any quarterback in the league. And um, part of the reason though, I think the Cowboys were able to generate such uh that kind of pass rush pressure on Brady, there's nothing to fear with the Tampa Bay running game. And obviously that's not the case with the 49ers. I mean, like they can, they can certainly make you pay for, um, I don't know, over committing to trying to get pass rushers up the field when you've got, you know, 
Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, like all these fantastic weapons as runners. So that is uh, a way that maybe the 49ers can counteract that sort of pressure they're going to see from Dallas. But um, and just to, I want to echo that point Friedman made, like when I first saw this number, I was really pulled to the over. That was like the gut reaction. But the mm-hmm. more I dug into the numbers with these being the number one and number two teams in uh, you know, EPA defensively, uh, I think in football outsiders and DVOA, they're also one and two. Like these are it just made me not as interested in the over. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really, you know, no interest in touching the total here. One more, one more closing, Go ahead. closing yeah. thought here for mm-hmm. me on the 49ers. I, okay. I know that Dan Quinn has gotten praise the past couple of years for, you know, rejuvenating this Cowboys defense. I think the success of that defense has more to do with the talent on that unit versus the scheme. Uh, this is not really to take anything away from Dan Quinn, but I don't think that he is like the in-game tactician defensively that Kyle Shanahan is offensively. And okay. like think of, of think of the five players who are probably going to be on the field the most for the 49ers at the skill position group. You've got McCaffrey, mm-hmm. you have fullback Kyle Juszczyk, you've got George Kittle at tight end, and then you've got Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel at wide receiver. That might be the most versatile five that you could put on the football field. I think Shanahan is going to be able to scheme up a lot with those five players that the Cowboys defense might not be able to account for. And I think that is what saves Brock Purdy versus just Brock Purdy stepping up to the moment. So just to put a button on this too, you're staying away from this game or you're just staying away from the total? I'm staying away from all of it. Fair enough. I, I, I've... I'm having a hard time with this one, too, because I keep in, imagining this moment where, you know, they're on the the 32 yard line. And it's a fourth and one for the Dallas Cowboys. And instead of kicking a field goal, they feel like they have to go for it. And those are weird pressurized situations to have to put a football team on the road in. Uh, you know, sorry, you don't one have more confidence thing. in your kicker. Mm-hmm. One more thing, Joe, you asked, am I staying away from? Yeah, I'm staying away from it. But I here, here it comes. I'm setting the alert. If this number gets to three, <laughs> if it gets to three, I am betting okay. San Francisco. You know, okay. I, I don't see it getting to three, but if it's somehow, you know, like we see a three and a half in the market, if it somehow gets to three, I will be betting San Francisco. Stranger things have happened, uh, certainly, as we go through. All right, Fitz, let's get your final thoughts on this because Friedman is lying in the weeds with his app late on Saturday night, just watching, waiting for things to happen. How about you? Where are you at here with this one? Yeah, I'm going to take Dallas in the points, show. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we haven't mentioned Mike McCarthy, and as a, a Packers fan, I'm very wary of uh, backing Mike McCarthy teams. But, you know, I backed them against Tampa last week. Like, I thought they were the superior team. I don't know if they're the superior team here, but I think they're very evenly matched. And I like taking the points against a backup quarterback. Um, I, I think maybe this is the game where Brock Purdy gets his biggest test. And, you know, we. You maybe have to see him see him where he is forced to be more than just a game manager well we'll find out brock purdy can he pass the test who knows that's up to the game to figure out on sunday night make sure you're hanging out with us at bettingpros.com check out the prop bet cheat sheet too for all your prop betting needs check out the app as Friedman was discussing many times here it's fantastic it's a great way to stay plugged into uh, especially all busy on the weekends we know so you can make the best wagers you possibly can with the most 
uh, possible news up to date that you can get here at bettingpros.com. So make sure you have the app and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel too. Don't forget about that because somebody, some lucky commenter here on the YouTube channel is going to get a free upgrade to Betting Pros Premium, a fantastic service. So you could just go out and get yourself at bettingpros.com slash upgrade. So upgrade today because it's important because you want to win and we want you to win. So there's going to be two winners and two losers Sunday. And next week, we'll be back to do it all again. But for now, that'll do it for us. But the story of the game goes on. For Matthew Friedman, Pat Fitzmorris, I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids.